wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. You and I. and I. Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. It's just the two of us again, Matthew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just talking That's about it. what's happening in the marketplace and whatnot. A quick, a quick five-minute update that'll take about twenty minutes. Five-minute update. Yep, twenty-five yeah. to forty minutes. Yeah. Last podcast was pretty good. With, uh, it was. It was. It was much longer than normal. So we will keep this one a bit shorter. We promise. But that was good with Emma. She was. She was good. Good. Good person to talk to. Um, happy to put out an opinion, which we always like when people have got strong opinions backed with good reasoning. So, Yep. Right off. Let's get into it. What's happening in cattle and livestock? Uh, the cattle markets, well, we see some good uh, good movements in terms of export numbers come out, both for beef exports and also in particularly mutton. But I'll, I'll just talk quickly to beef first. We saw uh, a big rebound in Chinese demand and also South Korean demand for Australian product. Um, they're really both um, kind of roaring for March. So that's um, it's probably the highest our beef exports been in about two and a half years. Um, nearly 100,000 tonne went in March. Uh, and even the likes of the US, which have been kind of dragging their heels a bit the last year and a half, they've been around 45% on average, you know, what they normally are. And we've seen a bit of a pickup there. So they're back to average levels, which is a good sign um, that, uh, that the US are re-engaging. So I think, you know, part of the, the price declines we've seen for the cattle market has brought us much more back into competitive pricing levels when you can when you compare us to um, countries like the US and the global price, and then that means that's translating to you know, increased market share in some of these markets where we were, you know, kind of not 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 sending as much product as what we had in the past. So it's a good sign there. But the big um, the big moves mutton mutton's been really strong since the start of the year, and if you look to China, which is our biggest market by far. Like you got about ninety five percent of the mutton goes offshore, and about forty percent of that goes to China. So when China kind of fire up, it makes a big difference. And since the start of the year, we've had the strongest January on record for Chinese flows. We've had the strongest February on record for Chinese flows, and now we've had the strongest March on record. Um, so three really strong months for Chinese demand, and we are starting to see that filter through into. Into pricing for mutton has, has kind of bounced off that three hundred cent level. It's it's kind of heading back towards four hundred cent. I think it's about three sixty five presently in the national mutton indicator. Uh, and the last fortnight we saw prices go up about twenty percent, which um, which is probably good news for those that you know had seen the price declining late last year and early this year. Is that that increase in exports because of China reopening after COVID? I think so because yeah, I mean that's that's certainly kind of, part con, of it. Con, coincides with that, so to speak. It has, yeah. And if you look back to that final quarter, I think we've spoken about it before. The final quarter of 2022, when they were still pursuing that zero COVID policy and still locking down cities and and restricting movement, uh, we saw much lower uh, demand compared to the average for that last quarter, and and that's when the mutton price started to slide. You know, we saw about a. Um, I reckon it was about a 40% decline just through that, you know, kind of last quarter of the year um, for mutton pricing. So, um, 
and then then that kind of set set those lower pricing up for 2023. But but now we've kind of started to rebound from 300 cents. So it'd be interesting to see now how it plays out because we usually see quite low supply as we head into winter. Um, and if the if the export volumes can stay reasonably robust, then it might mean we're going to kind of sneak back above 400 cents, maybe back into the mid 400s through winter for mutton pricing, which is yeah, not what it was last year, but it's still, you know, comparatively speaking, that's still pretty good prices if you look at the five-year trend. Yeah, yeah. so pretty positive. Look, I think so. I think, um, I think for whether whatever the red meat market you're looking at, it was unsustainable for our beef pricing certainly to stay where it was, and equally for our sheep and you know, both lamb and mutton pricing, it was unsustainable in the long term. I think for 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 those prices to stay. At, at massively high levels, um, you know, we still need to be competitive internationally. So I think this reset of pricing is still still pretty good levels, comparatively speaking, um, and it means that we're back and being competitive again once more as we as we build the flock and as we build the herd. Um, so from the longer term sustainability of the sector, you know, making sure we don't lose access to those export markets, I think it's not a bad thing. Well, foot and mouth disease. Still hasn't come in. It's endemic. Endemic in Indonesia. In Indonesia. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Do we need to close the borders? Look, I still think uh, it's the same scenario there that we have <laughs> been battling diseases, particularly like foot and mouth for, for many years, decades even, and it's been in countries. It's endemic in other countries, not just in Indonesia, So, and other countries that are near our border that we have lots of tourists come from and people go to and backwards and forwards to India and to China and to Malaysia and to all these other South, you know, Southeast Asian countries. Um, and we are doing all the right things on the border to keep it out, as we've done for decades. So I think the risk factor is still pretty low for it coming in. Um, yeah, so let's, you know, keep, keep, you've got to keep vigilant, of course. You've got to make sure that you're doing the right thing on your own farm. And, and well, I was, I was interested on the weekend, as you know, Mm. I was at the Easter show in Sydney, mm-hmm. and I never saw a single sign about foot and mouth disease anywhere. And people were mm. wandering amongst the pigs, the sheep, and the uh, and the cattle with great abandon, taking their selfies with goats and whatnot. And there was not not a, I didn't see a single sign about foot and mouth disease, which I thought no, was no quite surprising. Baths. No footpaths. No footpaths. Nothing. Mm. I reckon that would probably be a bigger risk than. Yeah, it is. I mean, to be honest with you, that's that's when you when you got that intermingling of like it's not often that farm animals intermingle with city folk, and that and the, those kind of shows are ones where they do. So that's um, that's one where we probably do need to be pretty pretty cautious and making sure that uh, you know that we're respecting biosecurity. So yeah, it's interesting. Interesting that they're not having signs, not having. I mean, you, you could have some measures there that would be useful. I would have thought. No, I was just surprised that there wasn't. But anyway, mm. who knows? Maybe mm. it's all fine. Uh, grains. There's quite a big, quite a bit happening in grains at the moment. Big news, big news, particularly we're rec- yeah. recording, so, recording today in the barley. The barley. Uh, I was just going to start off with the US winter wheat conditions. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's big news as well. Mm-hmm. So Kansas, I think I wrote about it last week probably, but Kansas is the biggest producer of wheat winter wheat in the US and their condition reports are at about 20 percent or something, is it? Oh good good reading, Matt. Good reading, Matthew. Yeah, I was at to you know, last time when you accused me of not knowing my numbers, I had to go and make sure I read a few things. 
Right. Oh, well, anyway, currently 19%. Uh, good stroke excellent. Which is sort of verging on the lowest good stroke excellence, second lowest since the turn of the century. And so that really is pushing towards being pretty poor conditions. Still, I've got a bit of time to go, but I think it's a good sign for, for pricing if we start to see various parts of Northern Hemisphere showing poor conditions, uh, because obviously then that puts us in good stead for our, for our wheat. Uh, but like I said, it's very early days, but they are showing you know, most of Kansas is pretty much in drought conditions. And, uh, and that's a good sign. It's a big, big percentage of their crop, which is poor conditions. And we shall see what happens with it, whether it improves or whether it continues to stay at low levels. And then we'll have the spring wheat crop to look at in a couple of weeks. Um, I think the other thing that I found interesting at the moment, and I have a bit tongue in cheek talking about cartels. Mm. Um, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, Pablo Escobar and the Cali cartel. I'm talking about OPEC. Yeah, I thought you might have been talking about fertilizer cartel once for a minute there. Oh, we're not allowed to talk about that. I'll get in trouble again for that one. Uh, but the reality is that we are seeing uh, OPEC have came up and reduced production last week of crude oil around the world. And there's a, quite a strong correlation between grain prices, oil seed prices and crude oil. So as, as the crude oil prices go up, that is pretty good sign for, for our general sort of wider commodity market, including including grains. So sort of a bit tongue-in-cheek, say maybe we should have a cartel with other wheat exporting nations like Argentina, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine, and you know decide how much we export. Tongue-in-cheek, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be getting a letter from the ACCC shortly, I'm sure, about your article. Uh, it's technically, uh, technically, it's a cartel is is fine if it's, you know, approved by the government of the day. Mm. Governments. Uh, so the big thing is probably today is barley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penny Wong has came out and uh, with, with discussions with the Chinese government, China is expediting the uh, discussion between. And the review of our trade in barley, as we all know, uh, three years ago, pretty much three years in May, uh, they effectively curtailed our product into China, 80.5% uh, tariffs on and countervailing duties, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was only two years left of those duties. And so we had a WTO dispute resolution process in place. It's been agreed that they'll pause that whilst China reviews it for three, possibly four months. And then we may see that um, that may be a positive step for us. Like we've mm. said we've said all along, if you read our reports, listen to our previous podcasts from in this business, in a previous business, and in a business before. That tells you how mm-hmm. long it's been going on for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing we've been saying is that you know, it will continue as long as it continues. But we fit, we thought this year that the change of government might be mm. a, a positive factor in, in getting this turned around. Yeah, that's right. I think we spoke about it a little while back. It was this year in podcasts that because um, we started to see a bit of a thawing out in terms of the relationship and ministers were talking again, whereas with the previous government, we, we had, you know, the Chinese ministers weren't 
taking calls apparently, but they started engaging again and we started to see a little bit more of an easing of flows in the beef space. And I think we spoke about the barley side and said the real hurdle in getting WTO. Exactly. And now that that has been, what's the status? They basically said they're pausing. They've requested that the actual investigation or whatever it is gets paused, right? It gets paused whilst China does an expedited review. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing we've been saying all along is that it's been a bad uh, situation for Australian farmers because we have, Mm -hmm. and as much as people are reluctant to say it, we have had a lower barley price in part due to... uh, Due to this effective ban, uh, we've struggled to find homes for a malt barley. Our competitors have gone into China. China's paid more for its barley. So by getting access to Australian barley, it's uh, it's a win-win for both both counterparties. And I think on every podcast where we've spoken about barley, I've said the same thing. Everyone has been harking on about diversity. We shouldn't be sending our barley to China, we should send it to a multitude of different countries. There's no control over that. That's down to individual trading companies, what they sell. We don't have any export quotas in Australia to certain countries. And a year after China is available, they'll be our biggest buyer yet again. And I've, I've, put, I've put that bit out to a number of people. I think you were the only taker, Matt. Were you? No, man, I agree with you. I think you're okay. 100% accurate on that one. So. I was trying to see if I can win some money. No, no. I'm win some money after my, uh, what's his name, bet that I lost. One, only one bet I've lost uh-huh. in my life. The only one, it was the one against uh, Ange Postacoglu. Ange Postacoglu. And, yeah, and I noted on, on the weekend there was a 3-2 scoreline Rangers down again. Have they won anything against Celtic in the last three years? I don't, I don't think they have, have they? As you know, I'm an ice hockey fan. So, and a, and, a, and a Queen of the South fan, as as you can see by my yeah. Queen of the South top that I'm wearing today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where that four months. I, I think it's in Chinese, in the Chinese interest to get rid of this ban uh, to reduce the cost of inflation on their consumers. And well, it's another it's, thing you've spoken about a few times. I know many sessions when we've presented together, you've had shown the chart. With China, uh, you know the amount of barley that's available to them. Since oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's, of, yeah. Well, they had that issue. Probably not so much now with the Ukrainian sort of grain export agreement, but they have had a period where you know more than fifty percent of the world's barley was just unavailable to them, either mm-hmm. through war or through their own cutting off their nose to spite their face, as my mother would say. So I think um, that's that's probably it. That's all I've got to say. No, I think as soon as you start to turn up the accent, that's a, that's generally a good signal that we've come to the end. Come to the end. So I can quickly get this off, get this, do all the editing that we do on this podcast, yep. and then yep. fire it onto the interweb. It's nice to hear um, our singing again with just the two of us. Just I think people people yeah. get people get kind of they miss that. I think sometimes the the, the our rendition of the tour. So it's, we should try and do this kind of thing every now and then, yeah, not just have those exceptional guests like we've had in the past. We have got a good list of guests coming up, but we need to make sure we've got time to do just the us two. Just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Right, oh. See you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now.